You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to Jeremiah chapter 40. We'll finish up tonight, and then we'll go to chapter 41. The last night... Uh, for our summer kids club program and I appreciate uh, my mom and uh, my sisters have kind of tag teamed and helped uh, with that but uh, that'll be for ages three and a half up through the third grade we'll let you be dismissed at this time and they will be going over to the gym building so parents you'll be able to pick them up in the Evans building uh, at the close of the service and thank you to my mom and to Julie and Jennifer. Thank you for your help. And so they will be, normally they're in the fellowship hall, they'll be in the gym. And then we'll dismiss the fourth through sixth graders to go with uh, Joanna. And uh, they will be, uh, they're normally down the hall. They're going to be, end up in the fellowship hall. That's where the, they're going to end up. So when you pick them up tonight, uh, fourth through sixth graders will be in the fellowship hall. And thank you so much for coming. Young people, we're thankful you're in church tonight. And uh, they're going to have a good time. For their last night of Summer Kids Club, they're going to have pizza parties tonight at the end. And uh, this is where you find out if your kids love you or not, if they're willing to share with you. Most of us are going to be disappointed after the service, right? But uh, it's because we don't share our food with our kids, so we've not taught them that yet. And then uh, lastly, we'll dismiss the Teens on Target. We'll let you go to your service with Brother Nathan and Miss Grace. And thank you, teenagers, for being in church tonight. It's good to have Miss Kelly's sister, Kristen, is visiting with us uh, from California. And uh, I thank you for always making people feel welcome when they're visiting uh, from out of town. And, uh, and don't just be nice to the visitors. Be nice to, you know, our church members, too. That'd be a good thing. And especially the ones that you rode to church with, those would be especially good uh, to be kind to them. Jeremiah 40 and 41 is where we're looking in our Bible study. We, we covered most of chapter 40 last week, and we said how that God's plan for his people after the captivity, uh, there were some that were left in the land, and God told those people, he said, I want you to stay I want you to dwell in the land. And he said, I want you to serve the king, speaking of the king of Babylon. And he said, and I want you uh, to just have it go well with you. And he said, it will go well. Notice with me, if you would, in Jeremiah 40, in verse number 9, the middle of the verse, it says, Fear not to serve the Chaldeans. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. And uh, I want it to be well with me. How many of you want it to be well in your life? I do. I'm not signing up for extra burdens or extra problems or extra heartaches. Now those things come. Uh, but I want things to go well. I want God's blessing. I want the very best that God has to offer. And I'm thankful that God is good to us. And God can give you peace even in the middle of your storm. Aren't you glad for that? If you're waiting for the sea of life to get smooth, you might be waiting a while. But if you'll just learn to trust Jesus while you're in the middle of the storm, you'll be okay. Uh, he can say, uh, peace be still, and he can calm the storm and calm the sea and calm the waves. But we said last week that in, in the Christian life, we must stay. Uh, that word dwell, or you could say the word abide, just, just get, get settled. 
uh, be where God wants you to be, and then serve. You stay, and then you serve God, and you serve other people. Uh, get, your, get your focus off of your problems. Get your focus off of, uh, of, of yourself, and get your focus on somebody else. And you know what you'll find? You'll find that you've got it really good Amen. compared to others. I'm not just talking about others in other countries. I'm talking about others that live in this city, others that live in your neighborhood. If you start looking around, you'll find out that God has been so good to you and God's been so good to me. And it's not because of us. It's all because of him. And I hope we'll give him praise. We stay. We said we serve. And then God has promised that he will supply. God will supply our needs. Notice the end of verse number uh, 12. The Bible says, and they gathered wine and summer fruits very much. Aren't you glad that God's supply is plenteous? It never runs out. There's never a shortage. Uh, there's nothing's ever on back order. God doesn't have to give out rain checks. It's always available. God's supply never runs out. There's a peace and a joy in knowing that you are in the place where God wants you to be. And I hope you know that. I hope, you, hope you've experienced the peace of God to know that you are in the place that God wants you to be. I, last week, I didn't get time to talk about this, but I'm thankful for my dad who taught in a Christian school. I, we moved to Rockford when I was a year old. I was born in California. We moved to Illinois when I was a year old. And we were at that church, at that school, where my dad taught for 15 years. And uh, throughout those 15 years, my dad had some opportunities to go other places. I think he could have made more money. I think life could have been a little bit easier. But I'm glad, for my sake, for our family, I'm glad that my dad said, I want to be in the center of God's will. And, you know, did you, I don't have to tell you this, but did you know that more money does not necessarily bring more happiness? Some of you say, well, I'd sure like to at least give it a try and find out. Well, you don't have to try. I mean, if God blesses you and you get a promotion, or you get a raise or praise God for it or a different job. But, you know, I know that because if you read the headlines, you know what you find out about the millionaires in this world? You know what you find out about the celebrities? You know what you find out about the movie stars? That money does not bring happiness. You know why? Because they're still missing something. There's an emptiness. There's a void. And they try to fill it with pleasure. They try to fill it with drugs and with alcohol and immoral living and just, I'm going to have a good old time. And there's still something missing. And I want to tell you, you'll never find peace. And I'll never know peace until we first know Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And I hope that you'll, 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 you'll experience that peace and joy in knowing you're in the place and doing the very thing that God has called you to do. I'm thankful for my wife and I. I'm thankful for God leading us here. Uh, I, I, I know without a doubt, I know that we are where God wants us to be. But can I tell you, there, there's no substitute for that. And sometimes we say, well, you know, maybe if I went somewhere else, maybe things would be better. Well, I'll tell you this. If God called you to this place, if God has put you in this place, I would stay in this place until God moves you from this place. Sometimes we run from our problems, but in reality, we need to deal with the problems and we need to learn to trust God to help us with those problems. We're called, as Christians, we're called to be servants and we're called to be soldiers. 
Now, those jobs are not easy. Being a servant is not easy. Being a soldier is not easy. But can I tell you, it's worth it when you serve the King of Kings, and it's worth it when you serve in the army of Almighty God. I'm glad that God took care of His people. We saw that last week. Uh, he took care of His people in the place where He put them. And I want to tell you, as long as we are in the will of God, He's always going to take care of us. David said, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I almost cannot quote that verse without thinking about Ruth Evans. I remember over at her house over here on Western Drive where Nathan and Grace live now. But I remember at her house, I remember visiting with her when, when she knew that her days were, were numbered. And I just I remember the peace that she had. And, and I remember her saying things like, God has just always taken care of me every step of the way. God has met my every need. You say, oh, well, she must have been very wealthy. Yeah, she was. It wasn't down here. But can I tell you, there were some treasures that she had laid up in heaven. I guarantee you that. And I want to tell you, God takes care of his people. Jeremiah chapter 40, we got down to verse number 12. Would you notice with me verse number 13? And uh, I've really debated on whether or not to read all of this. I probably will, will read through it quickly and try to comment on it. But there's a lot of names and there's a lot of action that takes place in these few verses. So the captivity has been taken away. The people have been left there in Judah. Those, the remnant, have been left. Nebuchadnezzar has appointed a governor. His name is Gedaliah. So Jeremiah is there with Gedaliah. He's there with the remnant. And it says in verse number 13, Moreover, Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces that were in the fields came to Gedaliah to Mizpah. And they said unto him, Dost thou certainly know that Baalus, the king of the Ammonites, hath sent Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, to slay thee? Now, that's a pretty strong statement. Basically, Johanan, Johanan is saying, hey, did you know that the king of Ammon is sending Ishmael to kill you, Gedaliah? Now, if somebody came up and they informed me of a death threat, I believe I would at least listen. I believe I would at least consider it. I don't think I would be just instantly dismissive. But notice what it says in verse number 14, but Gedaliah, that's the governor, the son of Ahikam, believed them not. He said, I don't believe you. Well, okay, well, let's see what it says. But Johanan, the son of Korea, spake to Gedaliah and Mizpah secretly. So he comes again. He says, I'm not sure if you understood this. I'm not sure if I made myself clear. I'm not sure if you had a lot on your mind. But let me tell you one more time, this guy, Ishmael, he has you on his hit list. He's been uh, commissioned by the king of the Ammonites. And he's going to come and kill you. Verse number 15, Johanan says, let me go, I pray thee. And I will slay Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah. And no man shall know it. Now that almost sounds like a little bit of like a mafia kind of a thing. Like just let me take care of it for you nobody's gonna know you know don't you worry about it it'll all be done uh, not that i have experience with the mafia but that just sounds like you know maybe something uh that they might say wherefore 
Johanan says, wherefore should he slay thee? And notice here's the reason. He said that all the Jews which are gathered unto thee should be scattered and the remnant in Judah perished. He says, get a lie. This is more than just your life and your well-being. But if something happens to you, what's going to happen to all the rest of the people here? They're going to perish. They're not going to have a leader. They're not going to have someone to govern them. Verse 16, but Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim, said unto Johanan, the son of Korea, thou shalt not do this thing, for thou speakest falsely of Ishmael. Wow. Now Gedaliah, it's not just that he doesn't believe it or he dismisses it, but he says, Johanan, let me tell you something. You're lying. You're making this up. You don't know what you're talking about. He said, this guy's not coming to hurt me. He's not going to kill me. I'm going to be fine. And I want you to drop it. And I don't want to hear another word. Okay. Well, chapter 41. Now it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael. Now that's the hitman. Okay. That's the name you want to remember. Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishama of the seed royal and the princes of the king, even 10 men with him. Now that ought to be some warning bells going off. So Ishmael comes and he's got 10 hitmen with him and he comes unto Gedaliah. Uh-oh, that's the governor. That's the guy who was on the hit list, the guy that the king of Ammon wanted taken out. And he came to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim to Mizpah, and there they did eat bread together in Mizpah. So Ishmael comes to get Eliah and he's got his 10, 10 buddies and he says, oh, hey, buddy, long time no see. Think maybe we could have a bite? Think maybe we could have a meal together? Think maybe we could just kind of talk some things out? <laughs> i tell you what I would have said. I'd have said, how about your 10 guys sit outside and how about, about my 10 guys sit inside with us? You know, let's, let's rearrange this uh, uh, seating order here. But nonetheless, he had bread with them, had a meal with them, which was a sign of hospitality. That was a sign of friendship. That was a sign that these guys are, everything's okay. But notice verse number two. Then arose Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and the 10 men that were with him, and they smote Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim, the son of Shaphan, with the sword. What I want to say is, how'd they get a sword in the banquet hall, you know? Did, did somebody not even take the sword? I mean, what were they thinking? They smote him with the sword. They slew him whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. Ishmael also, now catch this. Ishmael also slew all the Jews that were with him, even with Gedaliah at Mizpah. And the Chaldeans that were found there and the men of war, they killed everybody that was there. Everybody that was in the vicinity, they all lost their lives that day. And by the way, it all goes back to if Gedaliah had listened to the warning from Johanan, all of this could have been avoided. This was exactly what Johanan had warned Gedaliah about. He didn't listen. He said, you're lying to me. And sure enough, lo and behold, here comes Ishmael with his 10 men and they kill Gedaliah and all the men with him. Verse number four, it came to pass the second day after he had slain Gedaliah and no man knew it, he got away with it, 
Then there came certain from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, even four score men. Eighty men are coming, having their beards shaven and their clothes rent, having cut themselves. They came with offerings and incense in their hand to bring them to the house of the Lord. Here's 80 guys who they don't, they don't know what's going on. And they're just coming and they just happen to stumble upon the scene and they happen to stumble in the path of Ishmael and his hitmen. Verse 6, and Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, went forth from Mizpah to meet them, weeping all along as he went. Now hang on. What's he doing there? He's being deceptive. He's crying too. He's like, oh, I'm so glad you guys are coming. I've been wanting to go to the house of the Lord. I've been wanting to take my offering. Come on, guys, let's all go. He's, he's putting on like he's weeping and mourning with them. Verse number um, six. And he said unto them, come to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam. Well, he knew Gedaliah was dead. That was a lie. And then in verse number seven, and it was so when they came into the midst of the city that Ishmael the son of Nethaniah slew them and cast them into the midst of the pit, he and the men that were with him. But ten men were found among them that said unto Ishmael, Slay us not, for we have treasures in the field of wheat and barley and of oil and of honey. So he forbear and slew them not among their brethren. Verse 9, Now the pit wherein Ishmael had cast all the dead bodies of the men whom he had slain because of Gedaliah, was it which Asa the king had made for fear of Basha, king of Israel, and Ishmael the son of Nethaniah filled it with them that were slain. Can, can you believe this? Here the captivity and the war has just taken place, and finally it looks like there's going to be a little bit of peace. And Jeremiah is, is, is with Gedaliah. He's with this group. Thankfully, Jeremiah's life was spared. But Gedaliah, the governor, is assassinated, the men with him. Then you've got another 70 guys that come. They get killed, and 10 guys were spared just because they said, hey, we got a lot of treasure. We'll give you all this treasure if you just won't kill us. We see all of this happens. Can I tell you what a tragedy? What an awful thing that did not have to happen. I want to say this. Uh, I've got some, some things I want to share with you to help you help tonight. But I want to say this, that Ishmael was a very greedy man. We, we, we see that because of uh, those 10 men that said, if we give you enough treasure, will you not kill us? He was a very violent man, but also he was probably patriotic. You say, patriotic? What are you talking about? Well, he had associations with Zedekiah, who had been captured by the Babylonians and whose sons were killed and Zedekiah's eyes were plucked out. Ishmael also had alliances with the Ammonites and they were trying to stop the Babylonians. And so it's very possible that Ishmael, he wasn't just trying to just see how many people he could hurt, but it's, 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 it's possible that he had some patriotism in his country and he said, we're going to do this, we're going to stop Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to take over. I don't know if that's the issue or not. I don't think there's anything wrong with being patriotic, but I'll say this, if your patriotism ever clashes with your Christianity, then you got a problem because our loyalty ought to be without a doubt, first and foremost, to our heavenly king, not to an earthly leader. Amen. 
But for Ishmael, I don't know all the reasons, but I know this may have been jealousy. Maybe he thought that he should have been chosen instead of Gedaliah. I know that jealousy can cause people to do things they wouldn't normally do. Jealousy can cause people to act in ways that they normally would not act. But we see that this tragedy took place here in Judah. Let me give you a couple thoughts here. I say a couple. That's just to make you feel better. I got more than a couple, but we'll see how far we can go. I want to give you some applications. I want to give you some, some ways that we can apply this very unusual story and the unusual events of this story, how we can apply this to our life. Number one, if you're taking notes, I'll give you a few things to jot down. Number one, I want to say this, that Gedaliah was warned. Did you know that we have been given warnings in the word of God? We have been given warnings that we have an enemy that is out to destroy us. And sometimes I feel like I get up here and I spit and I hit the pulpit and I stomp my feet and I scream and I holler and I do all kinds of crazy stuff trying to get us to realize we are in a battle. And it's not with your fellow church member. It's not with your spouse. It's not with your kids. It's not with your neighbor. We are in a battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we have been warned so many times that the enemy is trying to destroy us. Hold your place there in Jeremiah 41 and turn with me please to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, be on guard, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may, what? Devour. He's not just trying to make your life miserable. He's not just trying to irritate you. He's not just trying to find the, the fingernails on the chalkboard to make you, you know, oh, stop that. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy everything you've got. And we've been warned. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, turn over there if you would, please. Ephesians 6. I'm very excited. I've, I've told our teachers this, but I'm going to use this passage for the first several weeks for our school uh, uh, over at Victory Christian Academy. We're going to talk about the fact that we must put on the armor of God every day because we're in a battle. But notice Ephesians 6, verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that she may be able to stand against the wiles of who? The devil. We are in a battle against the devil. Verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can I tell you, we have been warned. I'm talking about all of us. We've had pastors, we've had evangelists, We've had Sunday school teachers, uh, we've had parents, we've had friends, uh, we've had the Holy Spirit of God, we've had the Word of God given to us. We have been warned so many times that we have an enemy. But number two, many times 
We don't listen. Just like Gedaliah did not listen. You know, before we throw him under the bus and say, come on, man, what's your problem? Why didn't you listen? Maybe the same reasons that we don't listen. I don't know what it was for Gedaliah, but for whatever reason, he just said, oh, no, no, it's not a big deal. No, it's not going to happen to me. I don't know if he thought he was invincible. I don't know if he just thought that Ishmael was not that strong or that cunning or that able to do something like that. I don't know. I don't know why he didn't listen, but I know sometimes that we don't listen because of pride. We think we know better. Say, well, that old devil, he could never get me because after all, I've been saved for so long. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. I want to remind you, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Maybe it was pride. Maybe it was carelessness. Maybe Gedaliah was just in denial. Maybe he was just being foolish. Maybe he thought, if I ignore the problem, it will go away. Well, friend, I got news for you. Ignoring the problem does not make it go away. Many times it allows the problem to get worse. We have to deal with our problems. Uh, we have to take our, our burdens to the Lord and we have to get in the word of God and say, God, how am I going to deal with this? Because this is bigger than me. Number two, the application is that many times we don't listen just like Gedaliah did not listen. Revelation, the book of Revelations, it tells us seven different times, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Boy, I hope that our spiritual hearing is fine-tuned. Uh, I hope that our ears are open to the voice of God. I hope our, our minds are open to the Word of God. I hope that we are listening with everything we've got to hear the warnings and to hear the message that God has for us. I don't know what Gedaliah's reasons were, but I'll tell you this. He should have at least checked into it. Wouldn't you agree that even if he didn't believe it, he should have checked into it? So how about this? You hear a warning that a preacher says, or you hear a warning that someone gives you from the word of God. If you don't believe it, don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Get in the book yourself. Pray about it yourself and ask God to show you. But can I tell you, we must heed the warnings. Gedaliah should have been wise enough to protect himself from an, an assassination plot that not only affected him, but it affected those around him. Number one, we have been warned many times. We have an enemy. Number two, many times we don't listen. Number three, I want to say this. Ask yourself this question. Why are you going to let this happen and hurt so many people? Notice what it says here in Verse number 15, when Johanan came, he, he pleaded with him. He said, wherefore should he slay thee that all the Jews which are gathered unto thee should be scattered and the remnant in Judah perish? You see, you've got to think not just about yourself, but you've got to think about those you love. You've got to think about your family. You've got to think about those in this church and those in, uh, in your care and those that, uh, that look up to you, those that you can influence and those that you can help. And ask yourself this question, why would you let this happen to those you love? Number four, and I think this probably sums it up too, but number four, an application is we become proud and we grow stubborn. And sometimes we don't want to admit that we're wrong. 
I think that's what happened in verse number 16. I think after Johanan came back again and said, please let me go. Let me take care of this guy. Let me protect you. I think that's where Gedaliah got locked into reverse and said, didn't you hear me the first time? As a matter of fact, Johanan, I think you're a liar. I think you're making this whole thing up. You're not even telling the truth. And I think that's probably where some pride started coming up in Gedaliah. Like, are you questioning me? You think you know better than me? You think I can't figure it out? After all, I'm the governor. I've been the governor for a few days, you know, or whatever. Can I tell you, pride is an awful thing that brings destruction. I, I saw on, um, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the mainstream news, I'll promise you that. Uh, I think it was a pastor that shared it uh, yesterday or today. But uh, I've not followed it closely, but I've heard some reports about the governor of New York. Uh, Cuomo. And of course, he was in the news a lot last year with, uh, uh, according to the news, he handled uh, uh, COVID so well. That was, their, that, was his, that was his claim to fame. And uh, if he handled it well, I'm not sure I'd want someone like that handling it for me. Uh, but anyway, last April, there was a statement that was made to him that they said, we, we thank the Lord for the fact that the, the, the COVID numbers had come down at, at a point last April, April 2020. And Governor Cuomo got on a press conference and he said, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not making this up, I'm quoting what he said. He said, we brought the number down. God did not do that. You know what he was doing? He was saying, we aren't giving any glory or praise to God. He said, I'm taking it for myself. And within 16 months, guess who's announcing his resignation as the governor? Now, here's the message. The message is not for Governor Cuomo, because I don't think he's listening, although Caleb thought there were government officials that were listening in on this. I don't think, I don't think Governor Cuomo is listening, because I'm not talking to him right now, but I'm talking to us. We better be very careful with this thing called pride. Because none of us are exempt. It's only the grace of God. And were it not for the grace of God, we could be in a similar situation or worse than this story here of Gedaliah. But pride, we become proud. Number five, sometimes we become angry with the very people that are trying to help us. Can I tell you, when someone's trying to help you, when someone's just trying to show you the truth, when, when someone's just trying to, to, to guide you in, in the right way, don't get mad at those people. You ought to thank God for those people. You ought to step back and say, you know, I'm thankful I've got somebody in my life who's willing to tell me the truth and not just tell me what I want to hear. But number five, sometimes we become angry with the people that are trying to help us. Number six, I think a, a lesson and an application we could learn from this story is that many times we're guilty that we do not set up safeguards for our own life. You see, I think for Gedaliah as the governor, I think he had the ability to at least try to protect himself and protect his people. I think when he, uh, when he heard that, I think he could have said, well, I may not believe that, but hey guys, let's do this. If you see Ishmael or you hear he's anywhere around, would you at least let me know? And then when he saw Ishmael coming with 10 guys with him, I think he could have said, uh, let's not have lunch today. Let's not go down that road today. Let's figure out how we can protect ourselves. 
But many times we don't set up safeguards. You say, what are you talking about safeguards, Pastor? Are you talking about getting a, a security system for our home? Or are you talking about, you know, getting a guard dog, you know, that's going to... Well, I'm okay if you want to get those things, but I'm talking about safeguards for your marriage. I'm talking about some safeguards for your walk with God. I'm talking about getting some safeguards for your children. Can I tell you, with our children that are coming up, they are facing something that many of us never face. They're facing technology that is at their fingertips. Uh, when I was a boy, we, we didn't have the, the computers and we didn't have, well, we had computers, but we didn't have the internet and we didn't, certainly didn't have cell phones and we certainly didn't have the ability to take pictures and send pictures to one another and to uh, send videos to one another. We didn't have Snapchat. Uh, we didn't have TikTok. We didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have all those things. And can I tell you, for our children, we've got to set up some safeguards. And not just for our children, but for our own lives, there've got to be some safeguards that are set up or we are going to lose our homes and we're gonna lose our marriages because that devil is not backing off. He is ramping it up because he knows his time is short. Number seven. I believe an application from this story is I believe many times we are lulled to sleep and we're not even prepared for the attack of the devil. Now, if your enemy really wants to get you, then one of his best weapons is surprise, right? When you're not ready. Uh, how about this? How about Pearl Harbor? And I've read different accounts on that. And, you know, there's a whole lot of different things you could say about it. But I think we could all agree that we truly were not ready or, well, we just weren't, we didn't respond like we should have. And we were caught off guard with Pearl Harbor. I'll tell you this, 9-11. And I, obviously I had, you know, I didn't have any CIA connections or anything like that. But we'd never heard of that. We'd heard of planes getting hijacked. We've heard of terrorists trying to hijack planes, but we never had heard of people actually taking a plane and hijacking a plane and crashing a plane into a building. Can I tell you, that was a surprise. But as Christians, sometimes we're lulled to sleep and we're not prepared for the attacks that the devil launches against us quickly. Number eight, an application, something we must learn from, is that when these things happen, when these attacks happen and we're not prepared, number eight, it affects those we love. It affects people around us. You know, you've seen it. Maybe if someone close to you or a family member, a friend, a coworker, but when that old devil gets in, that old devil starts to destroy. There's never just one person affected. There's always many people that are affected by that attack. Then number nine, I'll just say this and we'll be done. I think a great application here is that we must not wait. We must not sit back, but I think we've got to go on the offensive. I think we got to realize we're in a battle and there is a battle going on, but the good news is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You don't have to sit back and wait and say, oh no, it's just a matter of time and that old devil's going to get me. No, actually, that was, that was decided uh, on the cross. 
when Jesus won the victory. And that was decided uh, in that tomb when on the third day up from the grave he arose. And I'm glad that we have victory in Jesus. And we don't have to be conquered by the old devil. But I'm glad that we are on the winning side. I'm glad that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.